broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath and god said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth so god created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Keep thee far from a false matter, and the innocent and righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What makest thou? Or to thy work he hath no hands. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou? Or to the woman, What hast thou brought Forth. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is, which is good, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if you say, behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. 
Now, that was a series of verses from all different parts of the Bible that relate to life and our responsibility to defend life that God has created. And really, that's what the whole pro-life versus the the pro-abortion movement comes down to. Not so much if it is a life, because science has repeatedly proven that life begins at conception. But what is the value of life? Because if we're just descendants of monkeys and apes, is there really value in life? But if we are created by God on purpose, with a purpose, then that changes things completely, doesn't it? And that's exactly what life is. Life is a gift from our creator. Even the founders of our country recognized that. He said all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And as Senator Ted Cruz has so well said, without life, there is no Liberty. You're listening to The Frittle Show. This is KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. Uh, right to Life of Michigan has put up an excellent, uh, an excellent post. It just has a bunch of scripture verses from the King James that talk about the sanctity of human life. I'll share that over on my Facebook and Twitter pages uh, at The Frittle if you would like to go and, and grab some of those or read some of those. It's a good read for today. Today marks the 41st anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision. And today, in Washington, D.C., hundreds of thousands of individuals will gather to march and to stand and to give a voice to those that have no voice. It's a very special day, a very solemn occasion. And we're going to bring to you the, uh, we're going to cover the march. The, uh, the, there will be a time for speakers and addresses. There's uh, NFL star Benjamin Watson will be there, Vice President Mike Pence, uh, Kellyanne Conway, along with some others. We're going to bring that to you. Uh, hopefully live is what we're planning to do. If you're listening this morning, uh, I believe it will begin around 8.45 a.m. Pacific time, depending on when all the March organizers are able to get things together. But our goal is to bring that to you live so you can keep listening, and we'll cover that. But I wanted to read this to you. This, is, this was in USA Today, and kudos to USA Today for having the guts to publish this. But Deanna Wallace wrote this. She said, Why I March for Life. She said, I stand for the unwanted Because our lives matter. At the March for Life on Friday, I will join tens of thousands of pro-life warriors of all ages, races, genders, religions, and political viewpoints to mourn the loss of more than 57 million innocent children since Roe v. Wade made abortion legal nationwide. These thousands flock from across the nation, and each of us marches for different reasons. Some march because they've experienced the pain of abortion themselves. Some have lost brothers and sisters to abortion. Some come for religious re- religious reasons, some in support of nonviolent choices, and still others come to promote pro-life feminism. But me, I march for the unwanted. Imagine that there are three little children, two girls and a boy. They are unborn, unplanned for, and for all intents and purposes, unwanted. 
Baby number one will be the oldest. Her mom will have her at only 14 years old. She will grow up neglected and sees that no little sees things that no little child should see. She will be placed in foster care about the age of five. Her little brother, baby number two, will be born two years later when their mom is 16. He too will be neglected, but he will also be physically abused by some of mom's boyfriends. He is three when all three kids are put in foster care. Last comes the baby of the family, baby number three, who's born when mom is 19. She will not spend much time with her mom, but what little time she does spend will be marked by neglect. She will be placed in foster care before she is even a year old. All of this sounds pretty horrible. A lot of suffering, a lot of neglect, and very little love. Would it be better for these three little children to never have been born? After all, then they would never suffer from neglect. They would never be hungry or hurt and never have to cry themselves to sleep. Many abortion advocates will talk about how it would be better to abort than to bring unwanted children into this world and would argue that the fate of these three children proves their point. But this is only half of their story. They are each adopted, all of them at the same time, by two amazing parents. Their parents love and adore them. They do more than just feed and clothe them. They teach them right from wrong. They kiss their boo-boos. They take them to Disney World, take them hunting and fishing, teach them to ride a bike, help them with algebra, and cry as they watch them walk across the stage at graduation. They are a family. They are a family, a close and loving family. These three little children grow up to be adults. Baby number one is now a strong, independent military wife. She loves photography and has a beautiful son of her own. Baby number two is a caring, intelligent man who loves to read, play video games, and has a steady job that he enjoys. And baby number three went to law school and is now an attorney with the nation's leading pro-life legal team at Americans United for Life. She gets to spend every day helping state legislators and policy groups pass laws that protect other unwanted children, giving them the chance to overcome the circumstances of their birth just like she did baby number three is me this is my family this is my story this is why i march and that's from deanna wallace she's an attorney at americans united for life and usa today published her story and which i think is awesome and you know what else isn't what this is the part that nobody talks about it's that there are alternatives there are other options there are families and individuals out there who want families who want children who can't have children of their own and we are killing god's blessings by the millions and not only is that a horrific terrible disgusting violent crime against humanity and innocent lives but it's also a crime against the Hundreds of thousands of individuals that would love to provide these children with a loving home. You know, my dad was adopted. Some of my best friends adopted four kids from terrible circumstances and horrible situations. But you know what? Those kids have a great life. I'm only here today. Because adoption is a real option. We don't have to kill innocent children. And I don't care what anybody says. You'll say, well, we'll make an exception for rape and incest in life of the mother. What did the baby do? 
to deserve your judgment and your death sentence. The baby did nothing. There is not one man or one woman on this planet that can create a life. No matter how that life comes into being, God created it. Only God can create life. And only God can determine when and where that life will come. And yet we have decided that we can play God and that if we don't want a a life, that we can just snuff it out. These kids never have a chance. 57 million in this country, 57 million children never had a chance. That's why... That's why there's a March for Life in Washington, D.C. today. Not simply to remember these 57 million, but to hopefully educate people to show that there are other options, that every child deserves a chance. And if you want to talk about rape and, and incest and life of the mother, we can, we can talk about that. But shouldn't that discussion be more focused on the perpetrators of the actual crime than causing more pain to the victims of those crimes? And when it comes to the life of the mother, no one has a better story than Pam Tebow and Tim Tebow. I don't have time to get into it today, but if you want a life of the mother story, and if you want to talk about, well, we, we have to allow abortion for the life of the mother, we can have that conversation, but let's have it with Pam and Tim Tebow in the room. I wonder what God would do if we would just give him a chance to work, if we would just stop trying to play God all the time. If we would stop killing our children and instead give them a chance at life so that they too can enjoy liberty. This year's March for Life is getting much more attention than it ever has in the past. I was very blessed to go. I think I was seven or eight years old when my mom and I went to the March for Life. My sis- two of my sisters are at this year's March for Life. I'm so proud of them and excited for them that they're there doing this. But this year's March is getting much more attention because Vice President Mike Pence is going to be the first ever sitting president or vice president uh, to speak at the rally. I wouldn't even be shocked if Donald Trump makes a surprise appearance. I'm not expecting it, but I wouldn't be shocked. If you would like to uh, follow along with the March for Life, you can't be in Washington, D.C. today. You can search the Why We March hashtag on Facebook or Twitter, as well as the March for Life hashtag on Facebook or Twitter. You can go over to uh, just search the March for Life uh, on Facebook. Their Facebook page is posting updates uh, every few minutes. They've got new videos up there. They're showing who's there, what's going on. And as I mentioned, we will be covering... 
uh, the speakers in different programs, which can start about 8.45 Pacific time. I think the speakers themselves start at around 9 uh, a.m. Pacific time, so that's noon for those of you on the East Coast. I'm guessing you're going to be able to stream it uh, on Fox News if you'd like to watch it and you don't have cable or your local news isn't covering it during that time, which they probably won't be. Um, You can also, I believe you're going to be able to watch it live uh, from... um, you may be able to watch it live on the March for Life Facebook page as well. I'm not sure. But again, if you just look for those hashtags, you'll be able to find it. We'll be covering the speakers when it comes time for them. Speakers today at the March for Life will be Kellyanne Conway, Vice President Mike Pence, Cardinal Timothy Dolan of New York City, Benjamin Watson. He's a tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. Great guy. If you don't know Benjamin Watson's story, you need to go look up Benjamin Watson. Abby Johnson's going to be there. She's the uh, former director of Planned Parenthood, and she founded And Then There Were None. Uh, Eric Metaxas is the number one New York Times bestselling author, host of The Eric Metaxas Show. Uh, one of my favorite thinkers in the country today, Eric Metaxas, he's going to be speaking. Uh, Senator jo- Joni Ernst is going to be speaking. Sen- uh, Representative Mia Love and Representative Chris Smith, they will all uh, be speaking at the rally, which is set to begin at uh, noon Eastern, which is 9 Pacific time. And we'll bring that to you live here on KV. Excel. All right, let me tell you about uh, our sponsor, Mario Giannini State Farm Insurance. They offer all types of insurance, including auto, home, and life insurance, and many others. If you have something that needs to be insured, they should be able to help you out. And if you mention KVXL and you call them for a no-obligation insurance quote, they will donate $10 to Experience Liberty Radio. You can reach Mario Giannini State Farm at 702-982-3300, and we'd like to thank them for their faithful support of our weekly programming. All right, when we return, it is Friday. Well, it's it's been Friday the whole time, but when we return, we'll be getting into more of our uh, our Friday, our usual Friday programming. We'll talk about uh, the the local news. We'll talk about some fun stories. I'm going to be giving away two gift certificates to Family Christian Stores today, and uh, so we hope you will stay tuned with us for that. Coming up, we're going to play Francesca Battistelli with "He Knows My Name." It just seems so appropriate for what's happening in Washington D.C. today. And welcome back. That was Francesca Battistelli with He Knows My Name. You're listening to The Frittle Show. I'm Crystal Heath. This is 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. You might also be listening over on the 405media.com. Thanks to John Grant and their team for airing our program. All right. So, in case you haven't heard, the Raiders are basically, they're they're coming to Las Vegas. It's not 100% official. It's like... 99% official. The NFL owners still have to quote unquote vote on the move. So it's it's technically not happening, but it's happening. The Raiders have uh, filed for the move. They've now submitted their plans for a potential stadium here. Everything is moving forward. The Raiders are coming. It's anticipated that they'll start playing here in 2020. We're going to get more into all of that in just a minute. But first, because it is Friday, let me grab something here real quick. Hang on. Okay, I'm back. Hopefully you didn't go anywhere in that moment of brevity. Okay. Um, I am giving away two $5 gift certificates to Family Christian Stores. By the way, uh, someone had guessed, I think it was Jessica Ansel had guessed on our trivia last week. And unfortunately, her answer was not correct. So last week's trivia is still up for grabs. If anyone still remembers the question, you can go 
guess on Facebook. I don't remember the question. So I'm going to give you a new question as your opportunity to win our $5 gift cards today. And you don't have to be in Las Vegas to win these because we, they come with uh, they come with a code that you can use online at familychristian.com. So the question is, of course, going to be related to the Raiders. How much do you actually know about the Raiders? Besides the fact, you know, that their fans have killed some other fans in the parking lots after games and that, uh, you know, they're all around disliked as a general rule by anyone who doesn't like the Raiders. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. All of you Raiders fans can forgive me because God says that you should forgive. So you can just forgive me if you like the Raiders. I'm a Broncos fan. All right, so that explains everything you need to know about how I feel about the Raiders. Although, if they come here, my hope is that they rebrand, and it would be it would be hard not to kind of maybe find a little area of my heart for them because they would then become the hometown team. So, it, you know, I may have to adjust to this, but but we'll see. It would be easier if they rebranded, which has been thrown around, but I, I doubt it would actually happen. Anyway, so. BleacherReport.com. My brother used to write for them, by the way, but now you can find him over at Mile High Report. No, that's the other one he used to write for. What does he write for now? Broncos Wire. Broncoswire.com is where he is now. He's actually running that site, not just writing for it. Okay. Um, da, 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 da. Anyway, back to Bleacher Report has a post about uh, how NFL teams got their names. It's really quite fascinating. You read about how all 32 NFL teams got their names. You shouldn't do it right now, especially if you're driving, and you shouldn't do it if you're at work. You can only do it if you're on the radio like me and you need a trivia question real fast. So, here's some fun facts about the Raiders. The Raiders were a charter member of the AFL in 1960, and they entered the league as a desperation move. You're like, well, what's the AFL? For those of you that aren't football buffs, once upon a time, there was a uh, two sides to the NFL. So you know how we have right now, we have the AFC and the NFC, the American Football Conference and the National Football Conference. Well, once upon a time, there were two separate football leagues in this country. There was the National Football League and the American Football League, and they each had their own teams, and they each operated on their own schedules and their own thing. And then, I don't remember what year it was, but they decided, hey, why don't we get these two groups together, make one National Football League, and then we can have a Super Bowl each year where the best team from the American side and the best team from the national side compete against each other. And that's, to put it very simply, essentially why we have AFC and NFC and why AFC teams play mostly AFC teams and why you have divisions and conferences and all this other good stuff. But enough of NFL history for now. So anyway, the Raiders entered the league as a desperation move. Seems fitting as a Broncos fan. The AFL already had its eight teams set to begin its inaugural season. However, on the eve of the first AFL draft, the Minneapolis group was awarded an NFL expansion and subsequently bolted from the infant league. Obviously, the NFL's intentions were to squelch the new league. Okay, so this goes back to the whole uh, when there was the two leagues. So what's happening is the AFL is ready to begin its first season. They're setting themselves up as an alternative to the NFL, and uh, one of their teams gets an offer from the NFL to join the NFL, and so they're like, okay, yeah, bye. So they leave. 
So now the AFL doesn't have eight teams, and they need eight teams. An eighth team was in order with Minneapolis Minneapolis's deflection and would take two months to find a replacement owner group. Meanwhile, Los Angeles owner Baron Hilton wanted to drop out of the AFL unless the league gave his team a natural coastal rival. Oakland businessman Chet Soda was head of the group that purchased the final franchise. The team was first dubbed blank in April of 1960 via a Name the Team contest held by the local paper. What was odd about the nickname, well, I won't read that part to you because that would give it away. The public hated the team's name. And several weeks later, the, the name was dropped for the supposedly runner-up choice of the Raiders. Okay, so this is how the Raiders got their name. They held a contest. People could submit their favorite names. And then they picked what was their favorite. The question of the day... Wow, somebody already got it. It was Seniors. That is correct. The team was first dubbed the Seniors in April of 1960 in the Name the Team contest. Things were not rosy for the Raiders in that first season. Congrats to Mr. Jamie Allen. He's going to win our two $5 gift certificates to Family Christian Stores today. But uh, the Raiders were not that great. The team was forced to play its home games across the bay in San Francisco, and only 9,000 fans showed up to their games. In 1961, the team was loaned $400,000 from Bill's owner, Ralph Wilson, in order to stay afloat. In 1970, the AFL merged with the NFL, and the Raiders were placed in the American Football Conference along with the other AFL teams. Back in 1967, when the mergers negotiations first emerged, the NFL wanted to kill off the franchise in order to eliminate regional competition with the 49ers. Oh, how far we've come. How many teams do we have in L.A. right now? (laughs) It was discovered that when the merger proposal went before Congress for approval, uh, any club that folded or moved would only cause every legislator in the state to rise up in opposition to the merger as a whole. So after that revelation, the Raiders were safe. So basically, we can blame Congress for the Raiders. Not shocking. Just not shocking. The team later moved to Los Angeles in 1982 and became the Los Angeles Raiders and then back to Oakland in 1995. The franchise has won one AFL title and three NFL crowns and one Super Bowl. Current owner Al Davis was on the coaching staff from 1963 to 1966 and was named the AFL's Coach of the Year in 1963. So now you know the Raiders were originally the Seniors as dubbed by a name-the-team contest held by a local newspaper. But, okay, so here's what we know so far. The Raiders are uh, have submitted their proposal for coming to Las Vegas. They want naming rights. Well, I'm just going to go through this with you. This is uh, from silverandblackpride.com. The Raiders brass met with Las Vegas Vegas Stadium Authority yesterday to submit their uh, proposal. The meeting lasted just a half hour and was said to be one of the shortest ever. At the meeting was Raiders president Mark Bedane, and uh, Mark Davis was in town as well, meeting with Sheldon Adelson. A few interesting details from the Raiders' proposal. Number one, the stadium site preference. According to reports, the Raiders have selected the Russell Road site as their preferred site. So they're looking at the west side of I-15. It's going to be southwest of the Strip, so down pretty much past everything. You have to keep going down 15, and uh, they're going to be down off. So if you're coming from uh, from up north or from the Strip, you're going to be heading uh, south, essentially, and then they would be off on your right. And the stadium itself, if you have not looked at the pictures, this thing 
this thing is actually going to be very cool. Probably the coolest thing about the Raiders that has ever happened to them. This stadium is pretty epic. It would, I would go to a game there just because the stadium stadium is that cool. Oh, Mr. Allen is donating the gift cards that he won to the best school in Las Vegas, Liberty Baptist Academy. Thank you, Mr. Allen. We'll be sure to get those over to the school. All right. Uh, there's also there's no lease agreement just yet. One of the reasons Mark Davis was meeting with Sheldon Adelson to, yesterday was to discuss the details on the lease. Uh, having no lease agreement means it's uncertain yet why, whether Adelson will indeed put up the $650 million it's been reported that he would or not. If he backs out, Goldman Sachs is waiting to take over as the private backer. This backing is above and beyond the $750 million in public funding that we'll be providing, as well as the $500 million from Davis and the NFL. So not knowing where the rest of the money is coming from could potentially affect the NFL vote on March 26th, which is why Mark Davis is trying to get Adelson 100% on board. Now, this is my favorite part, except also not my favorite part. The Raiders rent. They put it into their into their proposal that they want the rent to be $1. Yes, one $1. As Jackie Valley of the Nevada Independent discovered, uh, section 4.2 of the proposal reads this. Rent payment. As payment for its occupancy and use of the stadium, stadium infrastructure, and the stadium site, the authority acknowledges that the team has made a substantial investment in capital expenses to construct the stadium, and as a result, the team shall be obligated to pay the authority the sum of $1 annually as annual rent. (laughs) Can you imagine? You go to your landlord and be like, <clears throat> as we both acknowledge that I have made a substantial investment in living here, and uh, therefore I propose that my rent be reduced to $1. The Raiders are doing it. Why can't I? Well, you know, the Raiders are also building a like $750 million stadium, but you know. If the $1 rent and $750 million in public funds didn't seem like a sweet enough deal, the Raiders also propose control of all naming rights of the stadium and the outdoor plaza area. Like, these guys are just going for everything. But they might as well. It's their first shot at this. I'm sure it will change. It will get adjusted. So, right now, they're just shooting for the moon. The Raiders are also proposing that they will keep the signage sponsorship revenue. So you've got $1 rent, $750 million in public phones, funds, stadium naming rights, and retention of all revenue from signage at the stadium. Section 18.1 of their proposal reads, The team shall have the exclusive right to sell and to retain all revenue from and bear all costs associated with selling all exclusive signage at the stadium and the stadium infrastructure and within the stadium site for all stadium events, all fixed signage of every kind at the stadium and stadium infrastructure within the stadium site, and all electronic, digital, or changeable non-exclusive signage at the stadium and stadium infrastructure and within the stadium site for all team stadium events provided, however, and then it goes on. The entire proposal is one 107 pages long. So, wow. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying the Raiders are coming. They've submitted 107 pages. They're coming. The lease, by the way, would be a 30-year lease. They would, their concession would be a split revenue from parking, ticket sales, and concessions. The lease also gives the team the right to extend its deal 
by up to 20 years. Stadium Authority here in Las Vegas is expected to begin discussing the proposed lease at its meeting next month. And last week, as I mentioned, the Raiders formally filed their paperwork for relocation here. So all that's all that we're waiting on, really, is for the NFL owners to decide if they want to allow the Raiders to move or not. But it, it's looking very positive right now, especially if Sheldon Adelson decides that he will, in fact, uh, put up the money that they are looking for. So that's what's happening with the soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas Raiders. Hmm. Kind of works. Take some getting used to. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, church is just two days away. If you're here in Las Vegas, you should join us at 6501 Westlake Mead Boulevard at 930 or 1115. If you are not in Las Vegas, you can stream us online. Just go to experienceliberty.com and click on our live stream. Or you can stream us on Facebook. So you can go like us on Facebook at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas. And we are now live streaming our services there. So if you are not here in Las Vegas, if you're on the East Coast, our services will be on Oh, let me see. Let me do the math in my head. Uh, 12.30 p.m. And then, oh dear, Uh, what would that be? 2.15 p.m. Eastern Time. So you can stream our services on Facebook or through our website at experienceliberty.com. And you can actually, you can catch past sermons. Uh, You can just go, um, all of our past sermons are up on Vimeo. You can go or on Sermon Audio if you prefer to listen or to download to your mobile device. Anyway. That's all this good stuff that you need to know about that. We're going to play Mighty to Save, and we'll be back in just a minute to wrap things up for the day. So don't go away. I'm still really impressed that Mr. Allen knew what the Raiders' original name was without even me finishing the question. He anticipated the question, and he knew the right answer. (laughs) It's very... Very impressive. All right, so it's Friday. We're wrapping things up. Got to throw in a throw a few crazy stories here for the end of the show. This is something you think you would only uh, see in a movie, but the Washington Post is reporting that a woman literally flew through a tornado in a bathtub and survived. Again, this is from the Washington Post. Violent thunderstorms tore across the south over the weekend, killing 19 people, but in an incredible stroke of good fortune, or what we could call uh, God's incredible intervention, a bathtub saved the life of a woman sheltering from a twister that carved a 13-mile path in East Texas near the border with Louisiana. The National Weather Service forecast office in Shreveport, Louisiana, filed a storm report Monday night that is simply jaw-dropping. It describes an 800-yard-wide tornado packing winds of 130 miles per hour that tore off the roof of a storage building on Saturday and tossed a party barge 200 yards into a grove of trees. But here's the unbelievable part. A woman took shelter in a bathtub in her home, and the tornado lifted the tub out of the home and deposited it in the woods with the woman still in the tub. But the woman was not injured. Meteorologist spoke with the woman after the incident, and she said she heard the tornado warning come out, and she took cover in the tub in her bathroom. The only thing she remembers is that the tornado came in from the southwest across her home. At that point, the whole backside of her house was sheared off. Her bathtub was ripped out of her bathroom, and she ended up still in her tub somewhere near her home. The woman was in her 60s. She was uninjured, but emotionally shaken. That is incredible. She literally, she doesn't remember it happening. 
but she went from her home into the woods, which were not right by her house. She literally flew, the tornado picked up the bathtub, and carried her into the woods, and she survived. No problems. That's amazing. That's God. Because you, you don't, you, that doesn't happen unless it's in a movie. Or unless God intervenes. It's kind of like when everyone else gets killed in this huge flood that wipes out the dinosaurs and everything, but you survive because God told you to build a boat, even though nobody had ever seen rain before. It's kind of like that. Norway wants to give Finland a mountain for its birthday. Norway wants to give Finland a mountain for its birthday. This is not a joke, but it is from goodnewsnetwork.org, which is also you know, not a joke. It wasn't what I was saying. Anyway, uh, the country of Finland is drawing close to celebrating its 100th birthday, and the people of Norway are trying to pass on a big gift in its honor. Retired Norwegian geophysicist Bjorn Ger Harsen recently sent a letter to his nation's government proposing that in honor of their neighboring country's birthday, they move their country's border over 100 feet. In other words... They give Finland a mountain for its birthday. If the halty mountaintop in North Toms was successfully gifted, Finland would not only have a new mountain, they would have a new highest point in their country. I saw the highest point of Finland was in a hillside, and the mountain was in Norway. So I wrote a letter to the Norse ministry and proposed that the gift from the Norwegian people to Finland should be the mountaintop. All over the world you find countries that fight or are making war to enlarge their countries, but in this case, Norway would be giving away a small part without anyone asking for anything in return. It is a gift from the heart of the Norwegians to Finland, so we don't expect anything back. We just want to give them something really nice when they celebrate 100 years as a free nation. The motion has received overwhelming support from the Norse Norse people, but several politicians are reluctant because of the legal constraints of the gesture. Article 1 of the kingdom's constitution states that Norway is, quote, indivisible and inalienable. But the nation's citizens believe that in such a time of increased global tensions, the gift would come as a historic gesture of international friendship. Well, that's pretty true. I mean, I haven't heard of anyone being given a mountain for their birthday in a long time, perhaps ever. So, I mean, but I also understand that that would have serious legal implications. I mean, you can't just be like, hey, here's a mountain. It's on our border and now it's your border. No, that, that requires a little more than just niceties. So, you know, there you go. All right, once again, the March for Life is happening in Washington, D.C. We talked about it extensively at the beginning of the show. Hopefully you were here with us uh, for that. Vice President Mike Pence is going to be addressing the crowd, as well as Kellyanne Conway, Benjamin Watson, Eric Metaxas, and a number of other fantastic speakers. Uh, God willing, we're going to bring that to you live this morning. It's going to be about 9 a.m. Pacific time that the speakers start. We may get on the air a little bit earlier than that. just depends on, uh, on what we're able to find to be able to rebroadcast that uh, to you. So stay with us for that. Again, church on Sunday, 930 and 1115 if you're here in Las Vegas at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. We'd love to have you and your family with us. Be sure to keep praying for those that are participating in the March for Life, that it would be a, a peaceful event, that there wouldn't be any uh, issues there. And that uh, the message would spread that life is a gift and it is a gift from God and that God is the one who creates all life on purpose and with a purpose. Thank you for being here today. You can pick up past episodes of the show on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search for The Frittle Show and it will take you right there. As the March for Life is going on, we're going to end the day with Testify to Love by the Chaboratev Choir.